Were you silent your phone? I I just put myself in airplane mode, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I told you that. <laughs> like I, 20 minutes I ago. I know you put your phone in airplane mode, too. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Yes. Can we get some, like, Voltron forming music there? As long as it's performed by LL Cool J, I approve. (laughs) He's he's the only person who has given us rights to use his music. Just LL. You know, last year... Peter Dorian. (laughs) Dorian. Yes, Peter Doran. That's what I just said. That's what I just corrected myself with. <laughs> uh, well, we are freestyling today, folks. We don't have a script in front of us. Uh, we don't have any pieces of paper. Uh, but we're, uh, this will be posting on uh, just two days after the new year. It's a brand new year, 2017. We're recording this today on the day our documentary, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, comes out on Netflix. So... We're actually getting ready to record a, a Facebook Live session, which you'll be able to go back, I guess, and, and watch that. You won't be able to join live unless you already know about it uh, from our last episode on, on creating. We talked about that. But today we're talking about sort of new beginnings or new year, but, but really back to basics for, is the theme for us this year. Ryan, I, uh, I don't know what you've been up to lately, but I just got back from uh, beautiful Los Angeles, California. And nice. and uh, man, I did you get frozen? I, I well, I I I I was just so looking forward to coming back to Missoula, man. I didn't think I would be. Hmm. I'm just hmm. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really. It's like, I got frozen. There's literally like two feet of snow out there. Right I know, now. right? It's I, it's supposed to be negative 19 degrees tonight. Negative 19 degrees. Wait, is that with the wind? No. No, no, no. Is that with the humidity? <laughs> yeah, but it's a dry is that cold. In, is that in Celsius? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably pretty close in Celsius, actually. Uh, no, that's before wind chill. But uh, no, I was in, in Los Angeles for a long weekend. Bex and I had a free weekend, so we went out there. And man, I had one of the best times I've had in, in years. It was amazing. We saw Johnny Lang in concert. And where was I, he playing at? What uh, venue? Uh, man, I don't even know. It the wasn't name of the Hotel Rosa. No, it was it was a, it was a big venue, but uh, we had we had really good seats. And oh my goodness, he I didn't I'd never seen Johnny Lang. I loved his music, but I've never seen him live before. And he's probably the the best blues player I've ever seen. But not just that. <laughs> Are you into blues now? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's weird that like... Next some, it'll be jazz. Some white guy from Fargo, North Dakota is no, the best blues great. player that I've he's ever a, seen. He's awesome. Man. And I, I've never never seen him live before, but my goodness, I mean, the intensity of his performance, I've it's definitely the best concert I've seen in my 30s. It, it was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, I went and got frozen, and that really helped my back out a lot. So cryotherapy for the long-time listeners, you know what what I'm talking about. Um, we don't have cryotherapy here in, in Missoula yet. Not yet. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I went and got frozen. I went to the Russian bathhouse. I 
I um, oh man, we went to go see Anthony Jeselnik do comedy. No way! It was so good, man. At the comedy store, oh, uh, Mark Maron was there too. Just really, yeah, on a whim, like, awesome. and a bunch of other just hilarious comics. And I'm just curious, did people like get up and walk out on Anthony Jeselnik? No, I think they knew what they were getting into. Yeah. I mean, he he was pretty offensive, but blatantly so, intentionally so, like. You could tell he's he's basically trolling you at some point. Like he's trying to get people upset, yeah. uh, and uh, it was hilarious though. And so were the openers. The openers were were just hilarious. And then we went and walked around Griffith Park. Um, there's the old Los Angeles Zoo uh, is in Griffith Park. It's abandoned. I don't know how long it's been abandoned. I, if I had to guess, I'd say twenty years or so. And it's very post-apocalyptic, but gorgeous. I don't know if you ever watch any of those videos on, like, YouTube or anywhere. I'm sorry, where is this? It's in Griffith Park. Griffith Park. Is yeah, that... which is, you know where the Hollywood sign is? Oh, okay, so it's up in that area. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, Griffith Park is, like, this massive, massive park. The observatory is there. And, uh, it's right in the middle of L.A. It's weird, though, because you're in the middle of Los Angeles, one of the most populous cities in, in the country, but you're in the middle of nature as well because you're in, in this huge expanse of park, and there's this abandoned zoo there. And it was wow. it, it, people like who, the animals just got up and left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they went on strike and just never came back. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> people who live in a, L.A. are probably appalled right now. Like, you idiot. It's it's actually not, you know. I mean, I'm right. sure I'm, I'm getting some of the details wrong. But it was, it was really amazing. And so it was a great trip. And then I, I came back here and, like, uh, my car was in the parking lot at the uh, at uh, the the airport, and my goodness, like two feet of snow, and <laughs> I'm like, what have I gotten back Dude, into? Dude, we have Uber now. Why would you drive to the uh, airport? Uh, because I didn't want to trust Uber in Missoula, Montana, at 4 a.m. when I was going out there. Uh, That's not a safe bet. I always order it like a half hour ahead of time when I got those early flights. Really? Actually. When I have those early flights, that's every flight out of Missoula, man. Yeah. Every, they, I mean, they leave at 5.30 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so let's talk about where we're, we're, we're going to look ahead. But first, we're going to glance in, in the rear view a little bit. So yesterday, we're recording this on December 15th. Like I said, the day our documentary hits Netflix. Um, if it's not out in your country, by the way. I know a lot of people are, are, are frustrated it's not in Denmark or Brazil or wherever. I'm sorry, uh, Netflix didn't pick it up everywhere, but don't worry, it's still available uh, worldwide on Vimeo, so if you want a chance to, to watch the film, and by the way, there's six hours of exclusive bonus content on Vimeo you can't get anywhere else, so a bunch of uh, extra interviews and stuff on Vimeo, so you can find it there. Uh, you can also rent it on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play now, and, and so it's available on Netflix, it's available to rent, it's available on DVD, it's available wherever you want. Check out the documentary if you're interested. And sorry if it's not available in your country on your preferred platform, but it is there on Vimeo if you're if you're willing to to go check it out over there. You know what we could do for those countries? What's that? We could convert the documentary into a play. <laughs> and put it on like Periscope? No, and then <laughs> we will tour internationally. Oh. With mini- minimalism, a documentary about the important things. <laughs> play. Minimalism. <laughs> a musical about the important things. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll write that down as an idea. So uh, we just turned six years old. 
Congratulations. <laughs> you know, I mean, mentally oh, uh, yeah. and emotionally, we are six years it's old. It's crazy. It's been six years, man. Yeah, so so December 14th, 2010 was the official launch date of theminimalists.com. Now, we, we started writing about a month or two. Actually, uh, you were journaling back in August Summer, or September yeah. uh, of, of 2010. But the official launch date of the website and it started as this project, almost like an online book in a way, or an online journal, a weblog of sorts. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> patent pending. <laughs> uh, and and so it, it started with Ryan's twenty-one day journey into minimalism, and I wrote some stuff, and I was really hoping to transition into a a fictive writing career. I wanted to write literary fiction full time. But then I started finding immense value in this medium uh, to communicate in, in nonfiction writing, whether that was books, you know, uh, or or blogging, or even social media. I, I would argue we're not very good at social media, the two of us. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, but but uh, thankfully, we have Jess who helps us out with a lot of social media stuff. I just want to say, speak for yourself. I was on Instagram like five days ago. Today you asked me what Instagram stories was. No, I asked you what Insta story was. <laughs> <laughs> then I asked you what, what Instagram story was. I asked you what Insta story was. It is, and I was being facetious. To, to be fair, to be fair, you use Snapchat, I think, occasionally. Or yeah, ha- only if I'm on a vacation. Past. Like, I can't. You yeah. know, it's funny because, like, Snapchat, I guess I could. Like, I could be Snapchatting this. Uh-huh. Um, I could be finding those little moments during the day. But, like, it feels really fake to me to like do that it feels stressful to me it doesn't feel fake it It feels well it feels stressful and fake when i'm forcing Uh, myself to like create these cool snaps mm -hmm. or something look i'm putting up ginger in my kitchen (laughs) right oh wow look at this cool angle in my hat um (laughs) i don't even wear hats but but no i mean and then no offense to anyone out there who uses snapchat because i actually or no offense to anyone who wears hats (laughs) of course not No, no, and I actually will get on and look at people's stories, so don't stop Snapchatting, because I do like to be the voyeur, don't get me wrong, but when I use Snapchat, it is uh, typically, like if I'm on vacation, or like like I'm going to Florida, we're going to Florida next week. We are. Yeah, so uh, I'll probably be snapping some stuff there with the grandparents, and my grandma's little funny dog, I swear to God, they dress him up in like a little leather jacket and like the little leather biker hat. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. I can only imagine what they're going to do for Christmas with them. So when you say don't sna- stop Snapchatting, is that a Journey song? <laughs> no. no. Oh, okay. That. Well, um, so anyway, uh, I think the point of that was we're not good at social media. It was my, my commentary. Yeah. We're not bad at it, we, we, it but... Um, it's not our preferred creative medium. Let's let's just say that there are some people who use social media as their exclusive creative medium. In fact, I've seen some real artists who have used platforms like Vine, which has gone by the wayside or is going by the wayside now. Uh, they're they're shutting down Vine. Oh my goodness! I know. All... Can you save the emo Vine? Uh, yeah, yeah. So my favorite Vine was of Ryan being emo Ryan. Um, anyway, uh, so so. The, I've, what I've learned over the last six years uh, is that I've become a lot more vehicle agnostic. We've, we've done these different projects over the years. So in 2010, we, we started the blog, in, which we called a website at the time. We didn't really know what a blog was. And, and in 2011, we started writing a book called Minimalism, uh, uh, Minimalism Live a Meaningful Life. Uh, the initial title was Minimalism in 21 Days. 
and uh, that was Ryan's 21-day journey, that, which is all up on, on the website for free. We had a 300-page book about minimalism, and we're like, wait a minute. This shouldn't be our debut effort to the world. And so we basically scrapped it and started with a blank page. And in a, a month or so, I wrote a new draft of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. But it was really out of the stories and, and everything that we had had. We were uncovering these values in our, in our life and, and starting to live a different way. And by living that different way, it gave us something to write about. And I think that's the reason I wrote fiction for such a long time is I wasn't really I – was, I wasn't very proud of, of the life I was living. I was ostensibly successful in the corporate world. You, you and I, as we were climbing the corporate ladder, but it, there was nothing particularly interesting about being the – director of operations for 150 retail stores. I was really, I was a Mozart of spreadsheet development, but there's nothing that's too interesting about Microsoft Excel. In fact, that seems to be the opposite of interesting to me. I cringe when I see a a spreadsheet now, and and I was really good at spreadsheeting. There were many people at our corporation who were very impressed (laughs) with with your title and your job. But yeah, yeah I, I, no, I know what you're saying. And, like, impressed, that, but but not interested in. Ah, uh, yeah. And and, and uh, we talked about this in a couple uh, episodes ago with our our episode titled uh, "Creating," and, and how I really it, I wasn't I wasn't cr- I didn't feel like I was doing something meaningful or purpose driven or even creative, and that was a big problem in my life. And so, Ryan, I wanted to, to read you something. I, I don't usually respond to people on Instagram, but since today our, our uh, documentary came out on Netflix, I was just taking a look at some of, uh, some of the comments on our posting. And we got a really interesting question that had nothing to do with the film, and I wanted to at least read that to you. We and get a lot of random We do get a lot of random questions. questions. And, yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Sean, in the meantime, since Ryan and I are going – uh, back, to, I was just in California, and we're going to Florida next week. Maybe you can find some LL Cool J back to Cali and insert that, right? Not wait, the, we can not, only insert wait, it once in this podcast. Not, not the Biggie version, the LL Cool J version, please. I, that was like the only tape I had in the 80s that was a hip-hop tape was because his album turned 30 years old last year. And uh, so I had like Def Leppard and LL Cool J on cassette. Dude, my dad Back would never let me own an LL Cool J or a Def Leppard cassette album. tape album. Yeah, or a Def Leppard album. So this this was a, a comment from Katie, or a question, really. She said, hello, the minimalists. I've been at my current job for a few years now. I sincerely enjoy it. The company treats me well, and I've got a career path and a place that I'm excited to follow. No complaints, except one. 2016 has been a year of awakening for me. 
I've been a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian now for almost 11 months, and I am on quote the journey to becoming the best, most authentic version of myself. However, my values no longer align with the company I work for. The company I work for is the largest protein producer in the world. Meat. It's just one sentence. It just says meat. Uh, what am I to do? I struggle with the environmental impacts this company makes, but the job itself brings me joy. SOS. Now, let me tell you what my response was, and I'd like to talk about it. So I just responded. I said, if your short-term actions don't align with your long-term values, you will eventually experience discontent. In fact, it sounds like you are already experiencing the initial twinge. Ergo, you have only two options. Change your actions or change your values. Option three, experience prolonged discontent. It's mm, good, man. No, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like someone, like a lot of mentoring clients that I get, they're at this boiling point uh-huh. and they want to like leave their job right away. Uh-huh. And uh, that is like, well, it's probably the worst thing to do. Like if you haven't made any plans and you just allowed yourself to get to this boiling point uh-huh. and then you want to leave, like it, leaving your job, I mean, that's, that's uh, it might make you feel temporarily better, but then... It's going to create uh, longer discontent. Right. If you don't have a plan, then it's going to create, yeah, exactly, longer discontent. So it sounds like she's starting to boil. Yes. She's not at the boiling point. Not yet. Uh, she, it's it's going to come. But if she doesn't start planning now, yeah, then there will be a point where she, she f- is going to feel trapped, essentially. And so over the last six years, you and I have done a lot of different things. We've piled a lot of things on. We, we started blogging. We wrote that first book in uh, 2012. We moved from... Dayton, Ohio, our hometown, out to Montana and started writing the first draft of Everything That Remains, which is still my favorite thing that we've ever created, uh, our memoir. And in 2013, we started a publishing company called Asymmetrical Press. It's an indie publishing house. It's a publishing house for the indie at heart is is the tagline there. And we moved into uh, a house with Colin Wright, our business partner, and and started that, and it was really a, a publishing company to, pr- to publish our own stuff because I was tired of, uh, I no longer wanted to go the traditional route. I've seen the faults of, of going the traditional route and the gatekeepers and waiting for someone else's permission. And we learned from publishing our first book, uh, Minimalism, that you can do this on your own. There's a difference between a garage band and a really good indie band the same thing is there's, there's a difference between self-publishing and really good independent publishing. And, and so we decided we're going to start this, this publishing company. And then we, we've decided to help some other authors along the way. Uh, other people, actually, whenever we help someone, we say we want to help you fail better because that's really what we're doing. If someone's book is a wild success that Asymmetrical Press publishes, it's because of them. It's not because of me and Ryan and Colin did something amazing. We, we give them a little push occasionally. But generally, the books that we publish through Asymmetrical Press, they aren't huge bestsellers. It helps someone get their, their work out into the world. But the idea of creating that publishing company was so we wouldn't just have another publishing company. We, we didn't want to – when Colin came to us with this idea first – I said, that sounds interesting, but it sounds like you're just, you just want to create another publishing house just like everyone else, like Random House or Penguin or, or whomever, HarperCollins, and, and that's fine that those exist. I'm not, I'm not against traditional publishing. I just don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's the only route for people. And so I said, how could we create a publishing company that said yes to everyone? 
He's like, what are you talking about? How, that's not even possible. How, what do you mean we create a publishing house that says yes to everyone? I said, well, because I don't want to read everyone's manuscript, and I don't want publishing to be my full-time job. I, I want to be able to publish our own books and then share that recipe with other people. And so the way we decided to, to say yes to everyone was to create a template. To, to exactly, here's the exact process for how uh, Asymmetrical Press publishes the minimalist books and also Colin Wright's books. By the way, Colin is 32 years old. He's published 35 books, everything from fiction to you know, short stories to self-help books to memoirs and everything in between. Very prolific writer. And so he's learned a lot of lessons going through that process over and over and over. And then Ryan and I have learned a lot of lessons, especially about not just the writing process, but getting a book out into the world in front of a large group of people. And so what we did is we put up a whole recipe at Asymmetrical's website. And Sean, if you could put that in the show notes, that'd, that'd be great. There's basically a how-to guide, how to publish an independent book. It's a soup-to-nuts approach from A to Z, from writing the book, which, by the way, is the most difficult step actually writing the thing. But once you've done it, there's still like five steps after that. There's a whole editing process. There's a a, a formatting process. There's promotional process. There there are all of these processes that you have to go through to get a book out into the world. And even once the book is out in the world, it's all about the long tail. It's not about like, well, how are my first week sales looking? I mean, it's not about that anymore. It's about getting this creation in front of people that they're going to find value in. And when people find value in it, they, they share it. It's uh, funny you bring up the first week sales. Because yeah. it's like typically most authors, I know with us and a lot of other people, uh, they experience the most sales like a year to two years later after <laughs> they write the book and publish it. You, you're absolutely right. In fact, the so uh, that first book we wrote, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, its best sales month was month number 25. Hmm. So it was yeah. o- it was over two years I after, that, yeah. and, and even now th- those book all three of our books tend to do better now than they did early on when they first came out, just because we have a, a larger audience now. We reach more people via different platforms, and, and so whether it's it, it's our essay collection, which is called Essential, um, and by the way, these are all available on audiobook now too. So it's an entirely new format. Uh, that you can get your your words in front of people. And audio is just becoming more and more popular with Audible and then, of course, with podcasts. So more people are listening to audio books as well. And so it's another way to get your creation in front of the world, another step. But you're absolutely right, Ryan. It's not about, well, how are my first week sales? Am I going to make the New York Times bestseller list? No, probably not, and that's okay. I I, I don't know if I talked about this, excuse me, in the last episode, but I had a a, a, a rather well-known New York Times best-selling author who, who was like, uh, we did a podcast episode, and he, he before, beforehand, he asked me, hey, so are you making back your advance on, on the book yet? And this guy has been on the New York Times bestseller list, and I'm like, what are you talking about, make back our advance? Like, we, we do this ourselves. Like, I earn a living, a full-time living as an author, and I, it feels great to be able to say that. Uh, we're not making millions of dollars off of our books, but we don't have to. I mean, we're minimalist. That helps out a lot. But it also helps that that we continue to find ways to get that, that material in front of people because they, they tend to share it. But no, I, it's not about having an advance. We, we make... Uh, we make somewhat of a living off of our books you know, every month, and, and that's really nice. But I don't have to wait for someone else's permission. I don't have to wait for someone's advance. If you want to go that route, that's okay. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but realize that it's not the, the only route anymore. And so we, we started the publishing company so we could show other people, hey, that's not 
the only route. There are many paths to get to what your definition of success is. First, you have to figure out what does success look like for you, and I, I think that's important. And then uh, after starting that publishing company and, and finishing writing our book, Everything That Remains, Ryan, you and I hit the road for a year. So talk about getting working hard to get a book in front of people. We went to 100 cities, did 119 events in eight countries. We do- donated basically a year of our, our life to get this message in front of people. All the events were free. 75,000 people attended these events. And if you've seen our documentary, which covers a lot of that, it started off fairly small. You know, a lot of the, the events, only a few people would show up. But as the word spread and more and more people found value in it, more people showed up. And, and, and eventually, spoiler alert, uh, you, there were you know, hundreds or, in the case of Australia, thousands of people who were showing up at book signing events. So there are major New York Times bestselling authors who were, can't, can't get 60 people to show up at an event. And there are people like us who do it on our own. And the question is, doing on your own doesn't doesn't um, doesn't abdicate your you from your responsibility to still put your best work forward. In fact, I think it ups the ante. It it makes you because you're not beholden to anyone other than your audience. So it's no longer about publishers and editors and other people who are saying yes to you. You want an audience to say yes to you. And the only way to do that is to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, this is the absolute best I could do given the resources I have. And so, Ryan, you and I took that book. The, that was really the first step was getting the book done and out there into the world. But once it did, it wasn't, it wasn't like, well, what's our first week sales look like? No, it was like, all right, now let's hit the road and go to 100 cities and drive around to Ryan's 2004 Toyota Corolla and w- with boxes of books in the trunk. <laughs> And go from bookstore to book. We're and literally Matt's lighting kit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And Matt was with us, and he had he had his huge lighting kit that took up half the back seat, and and going from city to city, sometimes sleeping at rest stops or you know the occasional uh, Hampton Inn or on readers' couches or Airbnb, and and found ways to to get that message in front of more and more people, and it was an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And then we came back, and I'll tell you, man, I don't know how much you experienced this, but December of 2014, I felt, I, I felt depressed. I, I don't really know how else to say it, man, hmm. but I, we were on the road for 11 months for, for the most part, and we, we come back, and it was just like, I was used to that go, 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 we're on the road, we're, getting, we're meeting with people, we're changing lives, like it feels great, and then all of a sudden... It comes to a screeching halt, and yeah, it was nuts, man. I I remember, uh, yeah, just like a month because uh, we came back from Australia on that last. Yeah, week. so we were in the UK and uh, so England, Scotland, Wales, uh, Northern Ireland, and then Ireland. So I feel like when we went, so like we got to Australia, uh, what was that like beginning of November or second week of November? Or yeah, something. it was the beginning of November. We were there for three weeks, and I feel like when we left is when I just started to like kind of adjust to the to the sleeping and the jet lag and stuff. <laughs> yeah, in Australia, that was brutal, man. Yeah, it really was. So then when I came back to the States, oh, by the way, remember I had food po- I got food poisoning like 3 on the last stop. Yeah, city number 100. 3 days before we headed back to the US. Yeah, uh, one day right before that last stop, I got food and it was a double header that night. Yeah, Perth, Australia. 800 people show up to oh, this art gallery. But- and and yeah, you are you you give a double talk, uh, two talks one night with food poisoning. It was nuts, man. And then we're flying back, and 
with our layovers, I remember it being something absurd, like 54 hours to get back to Missoula from Perth. It was something nuts. And but yeah, I remember that month. It took me all of December to just get back into the sleep cycle, man. Oh, wow. To not feel like I was uh, like floating in space. I, I just remember having like a spacey, like really worn out feeling that whole month. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and not just adjusting to the time zones, but yeah, going from, oh my God, like, yeah, we've got to get up, go uh, to some interviews, then we uh, maybe can grab some good coffee, then maybe go to a museum, and then we have an event, and then we get up the next morning, maybe do a couple more interviews, and then off to the next city. It was like this constant, like you said, go, 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 go. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah. I mean, these weren't, these weren't you know, the, the big, fun, sexy interviews that you would think. It's not all – I mean, we did, we did the Today Show, and that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. But we're also going to the – Showing up at the morning news. And remember the cable access Iowa. place we went to in uh, where was that at in Florida? Oh, I it was don't actually remember. a really good interview, but it was like literally, it was this uh, <laughs> <laughs> this gal who like showed up like five minutes before we were supposed to go on. Yeah, yeah. And there was one gentleman there who was the producer, the director, the cameraman, uh-huh. the sound man, <laughs> the editor. Like it was literally a two-person operation. It actually came together pretty well, but it was like you know that you know cable access feel for it sure. It was very between two ferns. <laughs> well, uh, the aesthetic was was between two ferns. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it, you're right. It was it was still you know. And, and I'll tell you what, man. Like doing hundreds of interviews, and let's come remind me to come back to interviews uh, uh, before this is all over. Doing literally hundreds of interviews in yeah. 2014, uh, whether it's radio, th- TV, newspaper, all that stuff, man. Uh, there were some days where we'd do seven to nine interviews in a day. Yeah, it was crazy. And and I'll tell you, it really, it, it it gave me the the confidence that I needed to be able to. I mean, I don't think we could do this podcast if we hadn't gone through that whole thing. That's the truth. It gave me the, the, the confidence to, to just talk into a microphone or talk to people and talk about our message in a way that, that I hadn't talked about. I had written about it, but that's completely different from talking extemporaneously uh, about minimalism or our journey or simple living or whatever. And so it really helped out. And then doing those 119 events throughout the year in front of crowds, that, that helped out as well because you know, there, there are basically three things that I hate. I hate traveling. I hate public speaking, and I hate large crowds of people. And what? I'm going to do that for an entire year nonstop? Well, it's not that I actually hate those things. It's they make me uncomfortable, right? Crowds of people make me uncomfortable. I'm an introvert. Uh, uh, speaking in front of a crowd, it's the number one fear. It's it's number one over death, even. People are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Mm. And and then, of course, traveling. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of just perpetually traveling and unpacking and repacking bags and 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 uh going through all of that but that that said it was still an amazing experience but then we came back here and it was just uh, slamming on the brakes and i had to like readjust to like okay i'm not dishing out a thousand hugs this week i i need to find a, a new way to make sure i i i feel significant i feel certain i feel cared about and did you win yourself off like just going around and hugging random people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> I almost got shot in Montana. Um that's all why we always announce it by the way, folks. I always say I'm a hugger because 62% of the population here has a gun. Um anyway, uh yes, so 2015, uh, once I got back into the groove of things, we decided, okay, well what's another thing we can do? And so Ryan and I did this uh, year of contribution. And we did a bunch of stuff. Uh, we we built 
three water wells in Malawi, uh, with the folks from Charity Water, and with the folks in our audience. For many of you who donated money to that, uh, we were able to build wells for, I think it was 1,250 people in Malawi, and, and that was really amazing. And then uh, we we built a, we helped build an orphanage in Honduras with uh, Joshua Becker and the folks from uh, his charity, um, the Hope Effect, and we with the folks at Misfit and and Jai Coffee House over in Laos, we built an elementary school over there, and with, with your help as well, uh, the people who who donated to that, and so we were able to help out with that. We also had some extra money from that, so we funded a high school for a year in Kenya. And, of course, we've done a bunch of other uh, philanthropic things as well. We wanted to find different ways to contribute to the world around us, and we'll continue to contribute. We wanted to dedicate a year to to contribution as we were finishing up the the documentary, which, by the way, so we just turned six years old. We've spent the last three years on this documentary. We've spent half of the Minimalists.com's lifespan on this this wow. documentary, so think Crazy about that. We, perspective, man. we we filmed the first few frames of that documentary in December of 2013, and that was that was three years ago this month, basically, and and it took three years to get that out in the world. And so this year, 2016, we really once the the documentary was finished, we worked hard to get out a, into the world. So we did a theatrical release and and. The film showed in about 400 theaters across the United States and Canada and Australia and limited release in a few other uh, uh, countries throughout throughout the world. And uh, then we put it up online on, on Vimeo and iTunes and, and Google Play and, and all those places. We also did a tour, a, a theater tour this year back, back in May and June, United States and Canada, about 15 different cities bringing the message to in front of in front of more people right and and now it's available on netflix and it's like finally i'm 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 breathing out this sigh of of relief like like it's finally out there in the world and i I feel like today the day it comes out on netflix is 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 like the last thing uh, of getting it out there in front of the world because that's such an important part and people don't realize like if this creation is meaningful and I, i i feel proud about it and I've gotten so many messages about it's changed people's lives, and I feel so fortunate to be able to do that. So I want to be able to get it out in front of more people. Do I think it's for everyone? No, I think it's for people who are, are fed up with, with the status quo, and they're looking for something different. They're looking for a new recipe or at least some new ingredients for their recipe. And with the documentary, we really wanted to go out there and show, you know what? Minimalism is not this, this crazy, radical lifestyle. It can be if you want it to be. There are some people in there who live in tiny houses or or there's Colin Wright who travels to a new country every four months, and that's great for him. Yeah, I would posit, too, that that's not too radical for those guys. Maybe to you or I it would be radical. but Right, yeah. exactly. It, it's, 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 it's radical compared to the average, but sure. the problem with average is – Average is debt. Average is stress. Average is overwhelm. Average is discontent. Average is working a nine-to-five for 40 years for seven different corporations who don't love or care about you just because they're, they're nebulous entities, right? That's average. And so I wanted it to be not average, but I also didn't want it to be radical. Like I wanted it to show there are practical sides of minimalism. So whether it's Leo Babalta and his his six kids and his wife, Eva, and Joshua Becker living in, in the suburbs with his wife, Kim, and, and, and their two kids, and, and uh, Tammy Strobel, or whoever it may be, uh, Courtney Carver. There are a bunch of different people who are living different lifestyles, all under the guise, all under this banner of minimalism. 
And, and so it's not just about you know, the Josh and Ryan show. And even our lives are appreciably different over the last six years. We, we've both fallen in love, as it were. Um, you met Mariah at a really interesting time. Uh, it was before we went on, on tour. Yeah, it was, a, it was before yeah, that about, the big tour. <clears throat> yeah, back in 2014. So that was when was it? You like met her in 2014. So it was like three months or 13. Oh yeah, that's right, October 2013. So, so you were on the road the whole time when you first started dating. Yeah, you were on the road a bunch. Yeah, I didn't really know gone. where it was going to go, but by January, I was like, God, this is a really cool, cool girl. Like, I really would like to stay in contact and we did do you feel like that strengthened your relationship with her because you were away and allowed you to to be communicative in a way that you may have not been had you just been in close proximity Mm, i don't know if it strengthened the relationship as much as like secured the relationship okay uh meaning that you know we had lots of talks leading up to it like whether we were gonna you know continue to date or whatever and i'm like you know i will totally keep in contact with you and Maybe you can come out to a few cities during that year, so forth and so on. Yeah. And it was a lot of stress. So, uh-huh. I, you know, I don't want to say it was – it strengthened it because I think if I did that again, like, she'd have to come with me. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I'd leave her again for, you know, 10 months or 11 months, whatever it was. Right. Um, but, yeah. I, no, I guess what, what I meant – I just misspoke. When I say strengthened, I mean – you got to know her in a different way that you sure. maybe wouldn't have gotten to know her otherwise. I, I know this about Bex because I was on a short ter- tour when we first met, and uh, we just exchanged emails, mm-hmm. and, and I got to know her. She's a really good writer, which is was very appealing to me. And uh, so we exchanged. It was sort of like being pen pals via email. And and that was really cool, but it started out as a friendship. In fact, I, I set that expectation, and she asked about wanting to take it any farther, and I said, no, I yeah, I I want I want to start this out as a friendship and, and build a a really good foundation. And if something if something comes out of that, and we can build on it as an intimate relationship, that's great. If not, then we have a really great friendship, and that's great too. And it's a win win situation. Let's set it up that way. Um, it requires some patience and and. Uh, delayed gratification, so to speak, and um, it it really strengthened the communication uh, between us, and that's why I asked. I didn't. I mean, you were on the road much, much longer, and so uh, last year we did do a short uh, word tasting tour back in 2015, and we we brought like a, five authors on the road with us and a musician. And went to 35 different cities along the mountain states and the western states of the United States and Canada. And that was a blast. Like, we yeah, just had a van awesome. full of smelly guys. Um, I miss all the smelly guys. Because all of the, the responsible female authors that we have on Asymmetrical, like, they couldn't, you know, leave their family. <laughs> their families for, and stuff. Leave their families for two months. <laughs> Whatever. And so we, no. got, the, we got Colin and, and Sean Mahalik, who had, just had a book come out that, that was really great. Uh, we got uh, Sky Steele, who's a very talented musician. He he hit the road with us, and we just went to a bunch of cities. A lot of them we hadn't been to before, like yeah. Provo. That was that was really cool. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who else? Know, was Josh Wagner. Was there anyone else? Josh Wagner was there. He had a great book who had come out, and uh, we had, we had some guests in in different cities. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was it was a really fun short tour. I mean, two months. And uh, learned a lot of lessons from that as well. Strengthened our relationship with a lot of independent bookstores too. And we always encourage people to support their local indie book sh- bookshop. In fact, in 2014, when we did that tour, we went out of our way to support local indie bookshops. Except in some cities, big cities like Dallas or uh, 
uh, Las Vegas or Regina, Saskatchewan, massive metropolises uh, that we went to. There are a lot of cities like that that had no independent bookstores at all. So unfortunate. Uh, hopefully that's changing because I know the tide is changing. There are more print books being sold relative to ebooks this year than last year. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating one or the over uh, one over the other. Uh, I prefer ebooks personally, yeah. but I know a lot of people enjoy that that print book experience, and so you have you have the option uh, of both, which which I really like. And so yes, we we did that tour last year, and uh, we Ryan and I actually gave up 100% of the profits from that. Um, to, to some charities, and also we, we, we helped out some of the authors who went on the road and said, hey, man, you gave up two, two years of your life. Take a little bit of extra money from this. And so, uh, again, another another part of our year of contribution. And then this year we got the, we finally got the documentary out there. It's a, a sigh of relief. I feel like it's done. And now we're looking ahead to 2017. And if you know us, you know Ryan and I, we, we'd like to focus on on one thing a year, sometimes two, but we tend to focus on, on one major project and we that means we have to say no to everything else so we can say yes to everything that serves that that particular project. And so for 2017, the theme is getting back to basics. And there are a few reasons for this, but let's talk about what we mean by, by getting back to basics. Well, when we started the website six years ago, what was the basic? It was it was writing on the website. Mm-hmm. It was so so. Let's just say writing in general. That that's our our main craft. But l- let's go beyond that. What what is writing? Writing is communicating and expression, right? Communication and expression. And what are other ways that that you and I communicate and express ourselves? Well, this this platform we're talking to this microphone right now. That is another way that you and I have found value and, and, and found growth, immense growth this year. If you go back and listen to our you know, almost 50 episodes ago now, we do an appreciably better job just talking into a microphone than we did on episode you know, five or whatever, right? Practice makes perfect. Yeah, yeah, or, or much better at least. Imagine when it'll be 50 episodes from now. <laughs> or 50 years from now. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, this is another medium for us to communicate and express. So let's just talk about what does back to basics mean? It means creating. And for us, it's going to be writing and podcasting. So throughout 2017, it's really about how do we get back to writing more for the website and also maybe maybe some books or something else that, that we're working on. We're also working on what I'll just call a, a secret project right now, although we've had to postpone some stuff, and I'd like, like to talk about that and talk about why. Uh, but writing is, is is something that's really important to me and it's something I'm really passionate about. And I've had four false starts in the last three years uh, for books that I've tried to to start writing and they just haven't gone anywhere for me. And and so it's been interesting because I know I'll, I'll get an itch for an idea and I'll start working on it and then it doesn't go anywhere. But I don't have the time or capacity to focus on that thing. And so for 2017, I want to focus more on writing. It's the thing that I'm really passionate about, but I also want to focus on growth and that that's going to be through this through this medium through podcasting. And and so that's how we're going to create with the world. We're going to get back to basics. We're going to write more. I don't know whether or not a book will come out of this. I know Ryan and I are working on some new live material as well. And that is the, the sort of third leg of the, the triad here of, of the, the tripod of communication for us and expression is Ryan and I have 
I've gone out on a bunch of tours now. We, our first tour was started in 2011, and we were lucky to get two to eight people to show up at our tour stops. And that was great because it allowed us to shape a lot of the content for everything that remains. i got to tell you, when two people show up, uh-huh. all the pressure I have uh-huh. just goes away. There's no pressure. <laughs> so so our, our plan in 2017 is to hit the road with six ideas and and bring them into to some small crowds some, some tiny crowds of people where it's going to be a hundred people or so uh, so not the the massive five six seven hundred seat theaters but small spaces intimate spaces where we, we're, we're working on these six new ideas and we're writing them and ideally if the writing goes well we want to bring them on the road in front of people and sort of test them out the same way a a, a comedian, you know, if you see, if I see Anthony Jesselnick, he's going to do the same set over and over and over before he records his next Netflix special or whatever, because it allows him to work out that material in front of a crowd, see what's funny, see the timing. And we want to do the same thing in front of crowds as long as the, the writing goes well. But um, we also have had to say no to some other things recently. And Many of you have uh, known about my – I've had some health issues this year, and it really started uh, 2015, and one could argue it started even well before that. So in my late 20s, I went on a, a large round of antibiotics. So I stayed on a, was supposedly a benign amount of antibiotics in my, in my late 20s, and I was on antibiotics for several years, and it completely destroyed my mm. gut microbiome. I mean – completely leveled it. And the reason I was on those antibiotics was for, I had this crazy scalp acne. I mean, it was just awful. And it was, and my dermatologist said, Hey, here, just take these magic pills and it will clear it up. Well, the reason I had that scalp acne was actually, I'm allergic to soy. Mm. And, and anytime I, and even now, like if there's accidentally soy in something, I, I'll know the next day because I have just a terrible reaction to it. Right. Wow. And, and, and so, um, I was on, on antibiotics for a long time, com- completely killed my, my gut microbiome, and it's caused all these other sensitivities in, in, in my life. Uh, around that same time, uh, we were also remodeling a bunch of retail stores for the, the uh, corporation that we worked for. And so I was exposed to a lot of chemicals in a very high-stress environment, and I was killing my gut microbiome at the same time. And so um, – I, as a result, have developed what's called multiple chemical sensitivities. And I've heard from a lot of people in our audience when I've, I've mentioned this just in passing, I, I don't have any answers for you yet. So I, I, the reason I don't, I don't talk a whole lot about the health problems I'm going through is I am working very diligently to, to correct my health problems. And it's probably going to take 18 months or so to, to get back to where I'd like to be. But I'm working very diligently every single day on, on this arduous process of healing and and in this process, I don't have any. I don't have all the answers yet. I have what could potentially be answers, and I know a lot of people are out there suffering with multiple chemical sensitivities. Something like sixteen to eighteen percent of people in the United States have a version of multiple wow. chemical sensitivities. Now, mine are going to be a lot worse than some people, but some people are really bad. I mean, you, you've seen these these documentaries where people can't even live in a house anymore. They have to go live in a tent out in the, the wilderness. Somewhere. The gal I was uh, butchering the lamb with yeah. a couple weeks ago, um, uh, when we walked in there, uh, Marla Saris was with us, and uh, I went to give her a hug, and like, I went to give her a hug. She was like, oh, ni- you know, nice to, nice to meet you. And I guess she didn't ask me because I'm a guy. But then she went to hug Marla, and she was like, wait, do you smell? <laughs> and she was like, what? 
perfume. It, she was like, yeah, like, do you wear any fragrances or anything? Uh-huh. She's like, no, I don't. She's like, okay, good, because I can't stand. Like, she has the same thing where she will leave the room. Like, just if she's in a setting where all of a sudden someone comes in with some, like, strong fragrances, she will have such a bad reaction that she literally just has to, like, get up and walk out. Like, she's left in the middle of meals, like, really things that seem rude. But at the end of the day, it's like she can't. It's necessary. Yeah, she can't stand to be in a room. Uh, not, uh, yeah, for any other reason than her body doesn't react to it well. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't react to it. And, and so I'll, I'll go through some details here because hopefully I don't like sharing, you know, my own personal struggles as I'm going through them. I like to share them generally in the rear view because I think it can help people and serve the greater good. But to give you an idea of how, how we got to where I am, um, I started experiencing, I've had back problems for about the last 20 years. I have a broken L5 vertebrae and it's gotten really bad. And being on that tour, in 2014, it really messed up my, my you remember back. You thought you had like an appendicitis or something, or yeah, like I, I was having. Uh, I thought I had a hernia because hernia, I was yeah. having this weird, this weird issue in uh, in my musculature. And so, like in early 2015, so almost two years ago now, uh, this was shortly after that long tour. I went and got a, a CT scan. I went and got an MRI, trying to figure out like, oh my god. What if I have cancer? Like, what what is going on, and and how can I deal with this? Well, turns out she's I have a really bad back, and I started having these really bad nerve problems. And then this year, I this is and this is all on top. Uh, you're like, what does this have to do with your gut microbiome and chemical sensitivities? They're actually strangely linked. And, and so um, the uh, I started getting sciatica earlier this year, and it was the worst pain I've ever experienced. I'd wake up with 10 out of 10 screeching panic level mm. pain. Uh, and I've had some terrible pain in my life. And I tolerate pain really, really well. I don't tolerate discomfort very well. But I tolerate pain better than just about anyone I know. And, and I was panicking in the mornings. It was that wow. bad. Now, I've done something called a Goscue therapy. I've been doing yoga. I've been doing stretches. In fact, I do uh, two to four hours of physical therapy every day. And it's helped me out. I no longer have the same sciatica. I still have significant back pain, but I, I'm doing a lot of stuff to, to help aid that. But I also, am, because of my chemical sensitivities and my gut microbiome, I'm not, my hormones are way out of whack. And so I'm not produce my, the, 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 what we suspect, my team of doctors and I suspect, is I'm not producing enough human growth hormone to be able to heal adequately. And so that's because my, my gut has been, been so messed up. Do we need to get you on some HGH? <laughs> you, you, you joke. But, um, <laughs> but, but there, I mean, uh, the hormone therapy may be something that I have to do sometime yeah. in, in the not-too-distant future. Um, and so um, I, I will tell you this. Ryan and I, over the last couple of years, we've signed a couple of different television deals uh, with, with production companies. So big Hollywood companies who uh, – who, who Well, we've been signing television deals mm-hmm. Uh, well, well hold on, hold on. Well, I'll, I'll, right, I'll go, go through the details here. Go so, so, we, so there's a, a production company who's worked on some really large uh, television shows uh, that you would know the name of, who who have signed a deal with us to do. You don't want to name drop? No, uh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm who, to do a, um, a what's called a sizzle reel. It's basically the the step before a, a pilot, right? And we've done two different sizzle reels for two different production companies, same executive producer. And it just didn't, it didn't work out how we wanted it to. And so now we've had the opportunity for a third production company to start the process all over again. And you're like, well, why would... And so, so 
this whole thing we've talked about now uh, about why am I waiting for these gatekeepers, right? And, and so if we really want to, we could do this thing on, on our own. Like I don't have to because TV is going one direction and I'm not opposed to to the, the only reason I'd want to do a TV show is if it aligns with my values. The, the reason that I think it hasn't worked out very well is TV networks want drama. And we're not very good. Do you remember good. those first like, couple meetings we had with production companies? Yes. So tell me about your events. Yeah. I mean, you got like people fighting in the crowds and like. Yeah. How, and now are people crying? And like the answer is yes, but it's not, not for the reason. You, it's like it's generally like tears of joy. It's not people who are who are you know, arguing yeah. with their spouse in the crowd. That's crazy. Yeah, so, so it's not the same kind of drama. And, and so um, we, we've, we've struggled with, with finding the right video, video medium. And that's why we ultimately did the documentary was to, to get that out into the world, the, the, the video side of things. But how can, we, how can we communicate in shorter bursts? And television show seems right, but now with the internet, there are a bunch of other ways that we can do that. And so I'd like to say yes to a TV show. I really would. And I'd like to say yes to us doing it on our own. And we may do that at some point. But I can't say yes to that yet until I am certain that my health is, is on the right track. And I feel like it has been on the right track. I will take six steps forward. But then a few weeks ago, I took about five steps backward, tumbling backward, and started having, uh, I've had some, some kidney and liver issues. Um, and I won't get into the details with that, but it's all, it's all related to the same, the same issues that, that are going on. And so while I'm still go, I'm battling that, I, I will tell you that um, I'm very optimistic about the direction I'm going. It's just slower going than what I would like. If it were up to me and everything was perfectly healthy, uh, I would hit the road right away and we'd start bringing these six ideas out to people. And instead, what we're doing for 2017 is we're re-anchoring ourselves. I think that's the best thing for us to do, too, is yeah. truly getting back to basics. Well, yeah, I just I look forward to just getting back uh, to, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to say new content, but a lot more new content. It's not like, I mean, we've had new content this year on the website but um, I really look forward to uh, just exploring new ideas, you know, whether, whether it comes to environmental issues, whether it comes to the hidden costs of consumption, whether mm. it comes to um, uh, a zero, uh, zero waste folks. I mean, there are, there are so many things out there that fall in alignment with minimalism that we haven't really touched on and that we haven't really explored right. and ha- haven't really uh, dug into. So I really look forward into, into digging into some of that stuff. Yeah, or if we have touched onto it, we haven't really dived headfirst right. into the thing. And, and that was the thing I liked about the documentary. It was such a great primer for a lot of other ideas that are out yeah. there. Whether yeah. it's, it's minimalism or home living or self-reliance. Like the, we have these different ideas we want to explore. And I'll tell you the thing I'm really excited about is a improving my health on on a personal note, but on a a professional creative note, I'm really excited to, get, to sort of get back in the lab with you, Ryan, and and really start to flesh out some ideas together. Uh, you you and I have been talking the last several months about uh, about this process and and what excites me the most, and and really that's it is getting these ideas onto paper, and then eventually working them out in front of crowds once once I'm healthy enough to do that. So I we, think the best. The best time I had with you collaborating was that first TEDx talk we did. Yeah. Like, I just remember, like, day one when we were there with Mahalik, 
uh, downstairs in our in our office, uh-huh. and I just remember us like outlining it and like coming up with the ideas and stuff. But like fleshing that out over the next several months, yes, was uh, yeah, that was awesome. I really look forward to getting back into that rhythm. That's exactly what what I, what I love to do, and uh, because it, that impacts so many more people than a book. I mean, when you think about it, so everything that remains has, has reached a lot of people, and it's the favorite thing I've done, and it's a really deep dive into. Uh, a transition into minimalism, right? Mm-hmm. But very few people make it to the end of that book because, A, you have to buy the book and you have to spend, you know, five hours reading the thing to, to get to the end, to get to the real payoff. With the TEDx talk, it's 18 minutes. and But you and I spent months and months and months working on that TEDx talk uh, that has now reached over 2 million people. I just hit the 2 million mark recently. Wow. And so did not know that. And so you know, it's been out there for you know, two or three years at this point, and and it's been able to reach far more people. And then that leads them to the podcast, or leads them to our books, or to the documentary. I see stuff, or I see people tweeting stuff at us all the time. With oh man, I'm so glad I came across your TEDx video. I mean, yeah, it's definitely an awesome platform. Yeah, for for sure. And so for 2017, as we get back to basics, I'm going to continue to focus on my health. I won't have a lot of updates for you until I make some progress because I don't want to just say well, here's where I stand right now. I want to say, here's, the, here's what I've learned because I want to help you uh, mm-hmm. if you have any sort of issues around that. And so my, my chemical sensitivities are really bad. This year, uh, we, we had a new office, a new recording studio set up here at the University of Montana. There's a startup incubator here, which sounds far more impressive than it actually is. But it, it's a, it's a, a pretty sweet place. Yeah, it, it's a cool building. And we had this, this room uh, re-carpeted and, and refinished with, with paint. And we had the furniture set up. And like we were ready to go with this brand new, beautiful recording studio that we were setting up. But I was so terribly sensitive to the everything in that room, the paint, the carpet, everything else that we had to just we had to leave. In so, fact, we, we had to strip up the carpet and we tried to replace it. That didn't work. And 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 so I'm super sensitive to chemicals. I don't have anything that's not natural in, in my house. Now the the reason being is I can't I can't handle toxins the same way other people do. Your your liver should allow you to to if you produce enough glutathione, your liver should allow you to to process normal everyday chemicals uh, and, and, and get rid of them. But my body is basically full right now. And so I'm allergic to everything. I have uh, uh, chemical sensitivities. I have seasonal allergies. Like anything will sort of, uh, because my glass is full, it will make it overflow. And so I need to, to fix my gut, which will allow me to fix my hormones and, and allow me to fix my glutathione production so that long-term I will have uh, uh, a more normal ability to process everyday chemicals. So we had to move out of that. We're actually recording this in a a conference room right now that we have to we we set up in uh, once a week to to record this podcast. So we'll still still be doing that. I also had to move. So so recently I, I shared a home tour. Uh, Ryan, you had your home tour on on the website, mm-hmm. and I had a uh, uh, our home tour with me and Bex and Ella. The problem with uh, that home is that's our home. It's, it's where we live, but I can't spend a lot of time there right now. And so I am, I'm renting a small second apartment right now to remove myself from the, the chemicals in that house because it's a relatively new construction. It's within the last year. And I'm just sensitive to the basic everyday off-gassing that's still going on in, in that space. And so how, how long will I have to do that? I don't know. And it's really, it's a huge strain on, on my relationship 
with with Becca, but also with Ella. Uh, I still make the best of it. And, and you know, it's like the, the old serenity prayer, like accept the things you can't change and, and, then, and then work hard to change the things that you can, right? And so that's what I'm doing. I'm accepting where my current stance is right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not in tip-top shape. I am, I am the least healthy, healthy person I know. I have a better diet than, than anyone I know probably. Uh, and I'm really, really focused. I'm working with a team of doctors over at uh, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, MBT. Um, I think we've put a link to them in the show notes. They have a great, Chris has a great podcast too. I mean, if you, if you're, if you have health issues, he has helped uh, over 700 people, many of whom are athletes. Um, uh, uh, Chris Kelly is, is his name, Christopher Kelly, uh, nourish balance thrive is his practice. And so I've been, he, I've been working with him and his team of nurses and doctors and food scientists to, to retrain my gut, but we're getting there. And so in the meantime, I'm, uh, I, I'm going I'm taking this, you know, one day at a time, and it's my healing process of, of really working through it. And I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that I do heal, so I can be the best version of myself for my friends, for my family, for the people that we can help uh, on the road, uh, for our audience in general. I want to be the best version of myself, and right now I am the best version that I can be right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue to give you updates. Uh, I am looking forward to getting back to basics next year because it's going to give me the space I need to heal. But also, I think it's important. I don't want to stop creating. In fact, I think creating and getting into flow state, there's some research now that shows it aids overall physical healing. Uh, There's some studies on people who are recovering from Lyme disease, which is a horrible, horrible disease to try to recover from. Um, and, And it's becoming more and more prevalent. People who recover from Lyme disease, one of the things that helps is getting into uh, extreme focus states, so like surfing uh, or, or writing or bike riding, things that require like sort of full focus and full attention. It's, uh, it will help aid the healing process, especially if you have all the other sort of gears moving in that direction. And so creating for me, writing especially, gets me into flow state like nothing else. But also, I found that when a podcast is going re- really well with you and I, like the last one we did on creating, I felt like I was firing on all cylinders. Man, I was in flow state. And I felt like I was on top of the world. And so that's why I want to get back to that and more and more creating more flow state, which will help aid the healing. It'll help me feel better, but also not take on too much either. And, and that's... I'm good at being a workaholic. And so I I am constantly saying no to a lot of stuff. The only other thing that I'm saying yes to right now, and we're saying no to a whole lot of stuff. Uh, So we have the triad of of yes. So writing, podcasting, and and maybe doing some talks later in in 2017. We'll announce those at at the website. So you can get up uh, on our email newsletter. You can just go to, actually, I got a new URL for it. If you go to theminimalists.email, you can sign up for our, our, our uh, email newsletter. Um, the minimalists.email? Yeah, it's a new domain extension that oh, is wow. out there now. So, that's crazy. Yeah, you, you, can, you can find that, and we'll never ever send you spam because that's disgusting. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, you, you, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that triad. But then we also have a little side project that is also another way for us to create. Uh, we're working with some, our friends from Minimalissimo and Five Style on a project called minimalism.life. So that's another extension. Minimalism.life is a website we are, are working on. Um, and we're just writing some new content for that. And it's allowing me to break outside my shell and write some different stuff, which I really like doing. 
and it's so gorgeous. Carl is a genius designer. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. I mean, Couldn't we, agree more. He approached us to start this. I was flattered because he his one his website, Minimalissimo, was one of the inspirations design-wise for when we were starting our blog. How can I make this as simple as what he does? Now, he's a beautiful photographer and designer. If if you don't if you get anything out of this podcast, just go follow uh, Minimalism Life on Instagram and look at the photos that he's been sharing. He does these series uh, on Minimalism Life. It, it, they're just so gorgeous. It, it's beautiful. I mean, it, but it's also simple. And so it's like the bones are the beauty. And so that's what I want to get back to, the bare bones. The bones are the beauty. And so that's what we're going to focus on in 2017. And it'll allow us to build on that in the future, whether it's doing something on our own TV-wise or allowing us to write another book in the future or to do larger scale tours or documentary, whatever it may be, getting back to basics will be the jump off point for whatever we decide to do next. But that's going to also mean that we're going to be diligent about saying no to a lot of stuff. And I said I'd finally get back to interviews. I'm probably going to say no to all interviews in, in 2017, mm-hmm. unless something big happens like I'd love to be on Joe Rogan's podcast. So if anyone's hearing hearing this and can get us on, if you want to tweet at Joe Rogan and, and start uh, telling him that we would like to be on his podcast, that'd be awesome. It's that like would one, be so sweet. It's the 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 one place that we haven't been that I'd love to be. Um, but we've already kind of said everything else we need to say in the media, whether it's in the New York Times or all the pod. We've done some great podcast interviews. I don't need to keep saying the same thing over and over and over. Uh, if it's an opportunity to reach a whole bunch of people, then maybe we'll say yes to it. But for the most part, we're going to say no to that so we can say yes to this new cycle of creating. And we could say yes to interviews in the future, but but we, we could say no right now so we can get back to focusing on what's most important right now. And so um, I don't, I don't, we, we, we do other segments usually in this podcast. Did you have anything ready for an added value segment? Um. Were there any... I'll, I'll talk real quick. Wait, so. check this out. <laughs> <Wah! laughs> yeah. right, for those of you who can't, uh, who don't have, um, I don't know. Uh, video, the, the, the people video. can't see that. I am performing karate for Josh in my new pants that I just bought. Uh-huh. Uh So I usually, I get the same, I usually get the same pair of jeans every single time, but they were out. Uh-huh. So I tried out these new pair. Uh, they're called Barbell. I'm sure, actually, I'm sure like there's a lot of people out there who are very aware of this jean uh, company, uh-huh. but like I'm just now finding them out. And uh, yeah, long story short, they are the most comfortable pair of jeans I've ever put on in my life. Wow, they're freaking awesome. Wow, that is great. I I've listened to two albums that just came out recently. One is J Cole's new album called For oh, Your Eyes Only." That, it's oh, so that dropped. <laughs> when that drop? It's so good, man. I can't wait, dude. Uh, it's so good. But then also our I'm friend. Listen to it as soon as we get out of here. Our friend Jay Nash, uh, he put out an all acoustic album called Vermont Sessions. Nice. It's probably my favorite thing he's ever done. We and still I, have him in Vermont. I love. I love. Yeah, we should go out there and see him. We have. I know. Well, he's invited us to go stay at his cabin. He played uh, a few songs for us when we did a, a Boston tour stop in 2014. He's just one of my favorite musicians. I think he's one of the best songwriters alive. And we connected via Twitter, and we've become friends in the last three years or so. He's actually, one of his songs, Wayfarer, is in the fifth chapter of Everything That Remains. So Everything That Remains is the only book I know of that has a soundtrack. Uh, every every chapter has a song in it, um, although I guess you, we, could, we could like start a Spotify play- playlist or something, but I haven't done that yet. 
It's um, a good idea. But yeah, so everything that remains has a soundtrack, and he is in that book, and and he happened to read the book and loved it, and and was like, oh my god, my my song's in there, and, and so he did this acoustic album. It's unbelievable. It's so good. So we'll put a link to both of those in the show notes, and. And we'll put a link to Ryan doing karate in the show notes as well, or at least maybe the jeans that he's wearing. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like, I, I just cannot say it any other way. Like, I wish I could produce more words right now to express to you how freaking comfortable these jeans are, man. But they, they're just, like, by far the best pair of pants I've ever put on. That's beautiful. All right, Ryan. So, you know, we usually do this hashtag Ask the Minimalist Lightning Round, but we didn't have one prepared beforehand. But I sent out a tweet I got a few questions. Uh, the tweet just said, we're going to record a podcast episode about the new year, new directions, and getting back to basics. What would you like to hashtag ask the minimalists? And uh, we got a few questions here. Let's just riff on these real quick. Go for if, it. If you don't mind. Uh, Jamie says, how, how do you start working toward a goal and ensuring you remain accountable to, to achieving that goal? Uh, I, I'll start off just by, by saying, you know, I, I don't, I don't have goals anymore, and I've written about this, and I know it sounds like semantics, but really, uh, I prefer to have a direction over a goal. And so we wrote an essay. We'll put it in the show notes. It's from our our book, uh, Essential, and uh, there's a link to it on our website as well. So uh, I prefer to have a a direction over a goal. And, uh, in fact, I wrote an essay about living 100 days without goals. And so we can use, we can put that link in, in the show notes as well. And that was a very eye-opening experience. But if you do want to, if you're going to put goals out there, I would encourage you to have fewer goals, right? Mm-hmm. Because the more goals you have, the more you will stress yourself out. That was really the point of that experiment. And if you want to remain accountable, then get an accountability partner. Have external accountability. I, I think that's important. I work with Ryan and Sean, and they both help keep uh, keep me accountable. And uh, I'm grateful for that. It makes me a, a overall better person. Uh, I'll try to hold myself accountable, but I also have people around me who will hold me accountable too. Yeah. Uh, how do you start towards that goal? That's an interesting question. Like I'm thinking about like maybe someone who has, you know, six figures worth of debt. Like I, I have a lot of mentoring clients who um, they went through school eight years later, they've got six figures worth of debt mm-hmm. and uh, they got decent jobs. And they could pay all that debt down, you know, if they stop spending so much. But it's hard because, like, you know, you, you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you don't want to come home and eat peanut butter and jelly. Like, it, it's... You it's, want... Yeah, you want it now, right? You right, want, yeah. It's, instant it, gratification. Much, Yeah, instant gratification. Much easier said than done to just be like, well, just start eating peanut butter and jelly for every meal until your debt's paid off. And, right. Uh, yeah, so um, what I would say, like, in those cases, for example, where... I'll just use that example where someone has six figures worth of debt and they are not maybe spending beyond their means, but they're not paying off their debt as fast as they would like to. Um, Let's say that they initiate, uh, they want to initiate um, spending less. What I would suggest to them is like, A, budget, first off. Uh, B, like choose, do that likes, wants versus uh, needs uh-huh. list that we talk about, which you can find at theminimalist.com. Slash want. Yeah, that's a that's one of my favorite essays. I'd explain this, but um, these are supposed to be pithy answers, aren't they, for the yeah. <laughs> lightning round? Um, but but uh, really, ultimately, getting started, I think, entails uh, being motivated. And one thing that really helps me get motivated when I am trying to incorporate new habits into my life or if I'm trying to reach a certain goal or start a new direction, I will write down all the reasons why I want to start that uh, new goal or why I want to head in that direction. 
and get really clear on why I want a certain outcome. And the reason why writing these down, it's not a matter of, okay, well, yeah, there, here, here it is. Uh, here are the six reasons why, and I'm going to think about these. Uh, writing it down is much more powerful, and here's why. Um, when you go to that, well, not you, but you know, the person who's trying to spend less, when they go to the store and they want to buy that big filet, you know, big piece of filet mignon uh, that costs however much, they can pull that list out and they can read all those reasons why. And that's a way to help hold people mm, accountable. Yes. Uh, because it's like you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? Yeah, here's all the reasons why I don't want to do this. And I'm going to go ahead and ignore all of that, and I'm going to go ahead and buy this piece of steak. It's a lot harder to say no to yourself when you are uh, reminding yourself right there and, and making yourself look in the mirror as to why you are incorporating this habit in the first place. But uh, either way, getting started is by far, I think, uh, the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. And well, and, and I was listening to Jocko Willink's podcast recently. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jocko Willink. He's a former Navy SEAL. And someone asked him, like, how do I take the first step toward bravery? And he, he gives these really pithy answers on Twitter. He just responded, step. And yeah, that's no. really it. Like, what's, what's the first step toward a goal? Step. Take a step. You, you got to take that step. And, and because the first few steps are the most difficult because uh, you don't have any momentum. And you need that inertia to, to, to take you forward uh, continually. So, but you need the leverage as well. So what you talked about is, the writing those things down, that's giving you the leverage mm. you need to stay motivated for the long run. Because then once you do step, you have to keep stepping. It does get easier, but you want that leverage. And so maybe the, the question to put on that list there w- with the, the, all the reasons why is before you're about to make that decision, you're about to buy that widget or whatever, ask yourself, would the best version of myself Amen. make this decision? Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And I think if you ask it that way, you, you'll, you'll help identify no this isn't the best version of me yeah that's a that's a great that's a great way of looking at it because ultimately what does that do man it changes our emotion right like you ask yourself it would the best version of myself do this um it makes you feel something and like that is that's really what we operate off of with all our decisions man is are we running towards pleasure are we running away from pain so the more you can associate with doing that habit uh, associated with pleasure and not doing it associating it with pain uh, then yeah you're more likely to follow through with that habit so um, is the the best version of myself by this widget if the answer is no and then you buy it I mean that's going to make you feel pretty crappy right right totally agree April what's next April says uh how do you measure success throughout the year? <laughs> well, we have, we've got 26 different categories that we're constantly keeping up with. Uh, <laughs> how many likes do we get on Twitter? <laughs> how many Twitter followers <laughs> did, we, did we gain this year? Yeah, what are our success metrics? Good grief. You know, and, and it's funny because a lot of people do look at it that way. I look at our traffic on our website once a year uh, uh, just to see how many vi- people visited our website in the last year. Uh, and the same goes with this podcast. I haven't looked in a long time. Last time, uh, Sean uh, tallied up everything. It was it was over uh, three quarters of a million people listening in all the different formats. Uh, but that that is impressive in one sense. But it's not really when you think about it. I mean, because just because let's say a million people watch 
you know, a TED talk, it doesn't mean a million people got the same amount of value from, from that thing. And so the question is, how are you actually going to define your success? That's how you're going to measure the success is you have to figure out the best way to define it. So what does success look like for you? I'll tell you what it looks like for me. Do my short-term actions align with my long-term values? That is success. That's going to equal contentment. It's going to equal happiness, not ephemeral pleasure, but, but lasting happiness. And it's also going to keep me moving in the right direction because my values tend not to change. My beliefs change in time, and that, that's okay. That, that will change my path a little bit. Uh, or sometimes a lot, but it'll still get me to the same values. So do my short-term actions align with my values and, and my beliefs are the path to get to those values. And so that's how you're going to figure out how you're successful throughout the year. And it rarely has anything to do with the things we can measure um, with a, a calculator. Sometimes it, it might. Sometimes it might make sense. You've you got to have enough money to pay the bills, right? Or if you're trying to get out of debt, I know that's a big thing for the new year. A lot of people making resolutions to lose weight or get out of debt. Well, if you want to get out of debt, go back and listen to our debt podcast. We did a whole episode on it. But also read our, our financial freedom essay. We wrote about exactly the, the five steps that Ryan and I took. In fact, it's called the five difficult steps to get out of debt because it was not easy. It was fairly simple. But it was difficult. So we, we simple ain't easy. No, simple can be difficult, but it is the simplest route. And and so it was what we did to get out of debt. And now we are we're debt free. And you better believe I'm going to stay debt free. I will never be getting back into debt anytime uh, in, in the rest of my life. Yeah, I would totally echo what you said. Short term values aligning with long term value, or short term actions aligning with long term values and beliefs. I mean, ultimately, that to me means living a meaningful life. And like that is what success means to me. If I feel like I'm living a meaningful life, uh, then I, I am successful. I certainly had different measures of success, you know, of my corporate days of yesteryear. Uh, but, uh, but now, I mean, that's pretty much what it comes down to. It's like, do I have good people in my life? Do I have good health? Am I able to, you know, kind of pursue some of these hobbies that I have? Am I growing? Am I contributing? Like that's, that's success for me. Yeah, so ask yourself, what, April, what, what is success? What does it look like for you? And then get specific with it. Well, what, what, how do I define my values? What are my beliefs? What are my interests? And then how do I align my actions with those, with those values? And I think you'll find that's how you're going to define success, much more than a paycheck or, or number of Instagram followers. Uh, last question here. A lot of these are pretty similar about noise and, and uh, uh New Year's goals and stuff, which we just kind of covered. But uh, Neil, he says, how do I get back to basics emotionally? 2016 <laughs> has been nuts globally and personally. How do I, uh, how do I uh, simplify the emotional clutter? Uh, I'll just say, first off, go back and listen to our podcast called Noise. I think that's a great way to, to get started. We did a whole podcast on quieting the noise. But remember, you're in charge of most of the inputs that, that affect your life. And yes, you're going to see 5,000 advertisements a day, but you can at least turn down the dimmer switch of advertisements. You can put up ad blockers. Yeah, if you stop watching TV, if yeah. you yeah, there's plenty of ways just to turn down that noise. Uh, but I, 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 the only thing I think I would add to that is any stone you've picked up, you can set it down. Yes. Any stone you've picked up, that you've responsibility you've put on yourself, uh, you also have the ability to take it off your shoulders and set it down and keep walking. Yes. Yes. I think that's beautiful. I think it's a, a great place to end that. We'll move on real quick to right here, right now. This is where we talk about, I don't have a script in front of me, so Ryan, we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. That's us. <laughs> and and uh, so Ryan and I are traveling a little bit. Uh, we've been doing some fun, uh, uh, I don't know, 
tours. We call it the Minimalists City Finds. So if you go to our Instagram page, you don't even have to be on Instagram to check this out. You can just go to Instagram.com slash The Minimalists. We will share some of our favorite experiences, whether it's Christmas tree hunting or cryotherapy or going to a concert or just a really cool breakfast spot in L.A. We're going to be going to Florida uh, soon. We're going to see a concert there. Griffin House is is performing. Um, and we're just going to be hanging out at the coffee shop, our, our coffee shop, Bandit Coffee Co. We're doing some remodeling there. And uh, we're going to share a little bit of that on, on Instagram uh, using the hashtag... The Minimalists City Finds. So this is a great point for those who are listening to this right now because all those events you just talked about would have already happened. Yes. But they can Google hashtag. Or they can just go to our Instagram page and click on yeah, the Yeah, and then they could see all of our, they could see all of our uh, Minimalist City Finds, yes. All of our antics and uh, all, all the good times we're having, all the experiences we have in a different city. So if you go to that city, whether it's Dayton, Ohio, or Los Angeles, or Spokane, or a bunch of other cities we've gone to, you can you know, maybe share one or two of those experiences as well. Um, all right. Oh, we, we probably want to play some voicemails now. We, I'm sure Sean can queue up some voicemails. We have some, some listener tips and tricks about minimalism. And Wait, that's my line usually. All right, go ahead. Now, here are some tips and tricks from our listeners. I don't think that's the line. But go- <laughs> Is it tricks and tips? I don't know. Go, go ahead and play it, Sean. Hi, Josh and Ryan. I actually just wanted to call you and um, rather than a question or a comment, just share with you a bit of my own success story. Like you, I grew up in less than ideal circumstances. Um, To say that I grew up in volatile conditions is an understatement. My parents once pulled me out of middle school um, class to let me know that my siblings and I needed to say goodbye to our friends that day at school because that evening we needed to pack up all all of our belongings and move across state. So early on I was conditioned to pack light and be prepared to leave all of my possessions and relationships in a moment's notice. Um, That that specific time we moved across um, state to a campground in which we lived for three years um, in a tent and then also in like a pop-up camper while my dad was serving consecutive sentences for multiple DUIs, um, endangerment, and possession charges. All of our possessions were in a storage unit, which we ultimately lost to auction um, because my parents could no longer afford to pay the storage unit rent. So it became an unspoken rule that we carry with us the possessions that we could pack up in a day's notice because of how often we were evicted and how often we needed to, um, you know, be prepared to be on the go. So. Um, when I was 14, I started working part-time to save money to move out of my parents' house to find security in a cushy career, and I have one now, and I also wanted to prove to myself that I could stand on my own two feet, which I have, um, but I spent the majority of my adult life collecting possessions that I previously did not have the ability to either afford or retain. So by the time I discovered your podcast, Um, Just last year, at the age of 31, I was depressed. Um, I was recently divorced. I was stifled and stressed by my pains. And your podcast really helped me to pull out of that depression and provided me with the inspiration I needed to free myself up from that material value. Um, I just wanted to let you know that because of, of, of your ability to share your story, today I'm happy. I'm 30 pounds later. I'm experiencing life rather than collecting things. Hi, Josh and Ryan. Just a few tips about your 
listeners and also things I've learned on the way. Um, let your kids wear heirloom jewelry and play dress-up, have a tea party or a candlelight dinner. You'll make memories and bring meaning by doing so. You can frame the jewelry in a shadow box and display it as art. IKEA is a great resource. They're a nice way to edit collections or honor the memory of a loved one by framing their mementos and pictures in a small contained space. I found useful sentimental items brought me the most meaning. I cook with my mom's wooden spoon daily and warm my kids with the afghan my grandma knitted. I'm finally donating the china I've kept in a box for 20-plus years because I realized it won't have any meaning or relevance for my daughter since I never used it. Replacements.com is a resource to sell china and silverware. For everyday practical items, buy quality and aesthetically pleasing ones. Buy the flowery nail clippers. If people won't stop giving you things, swing by Goodwill on your way home and get a receipt. Treat it like candy. Don't even bring it into your house. Find resources online for recycling. Pay for postage if it means that much, but give yourself permission to toss these items, those items that won't be donated, while you're establishing a baseline. You'll be tossing much less in the future. Wean off shopping by going to thrift stores and yard sales. Always have a list of needs. Remember, a dollar spent is still a dollar spent, and even free might come with a price. I've been known to replace all the items in my cart back to their respective places, treating each as if the hunt was satisfying enough and feeling empowered by asking the hard questions and making the conscious choice not to possess it. Take a picture if you want to remember it. Take pictures of your kid's art and make a book. Turn old t-shirts into quilts or pillows. For every <clears throat> excuse me, one new thing, rid yourself of two things. Tool libraries are cropping up for borrowing tools. If you don't have one, start one. Volunteer at handsonnetwork.org. Register, click to sign up, and then show up. When we lost our business and house and filed bankruptcy, we volunteered. When my husband died in an accident three years later, we volunteered. Don't underestimate the power of giving to and doing for others. For me, passion equals pressure. Instead, I'm following my curiosities and my love of learning. If that leads to a passion, then that's great. And if not, that's okay, too, because I will have learned a lot along the way. Thank you for spreading the message and defining and affirming what I've been working on for years. I really appreciate what you're both doing. All right, that's it for this episode, folks. If you have a question for The Minimalist, let's see if I remember the phone number without a script, Ryan. It's 406-219-7839. If you do call us and leave a question or a tip, make sure you, you write down your, your question or tip beforehand. It'll help you be more articulate, and it will greatly increase your chances of... of Reaching the airwaves. Are these airwaves now? I don't even know. Let's uh, just let's just sign off, man. Yeah. If you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear